good morning, good afternoon, whatever time of day it is that you are listening. Folks, thank you very, very much for listening to the day. Today is the 10th of June, year of our Lord, 2021. Welcome to yet another edition of the Bun and Cardigan Show. I'm, of course, joined by the on-again, off-again man who wears the cardigan, James Edwards III, or should I say, James Technical Difficulties, Edwards III of The Athletic. This is attempt, like, number six. My life James... is in shambles. Whew. All around. Uh, speaking of shambles, uh, I, I empathize with that. A little bit. You know why? Why? Before we get to our guest on today's show, uh, which you guys have seen the title, Keith Black's going to be joining us today. That's really fun. Uh, I don't know what it is that keeps drawing me back into this circus act that is the Milwaukee Bucks. And before we get to all of our Pistons talk today, it's tradition. I got to get this off my chest. I don't know what I'm doing anymore. Three years ago, it's like, okay, uh, Milwaukee beats Detroit. I'm just thinking to myself, yeah, you know what? I want the team that beat us to eventually go to the finals. Like, that's all that I want, right? I want us to be beaten by the best team, okay? Last year, I just full-heartedly believed there's not a better team in basketball, okay? But all it took was a pulse, something that everybody who's listening to this has, to realize Oh, so the one thing that Milwaukee can't do is defend the three-point line. There were somewhere between three to six games last season where the opposing team had a franchise record-setting game against Milwaukee in terms of how many three-pointers they made. I think back to the Christmas Day game last year uh, when Milwaukee played, I believe, in Philadelphia, a game that I have since disparaged Philadelphia for. Well, I guess not since because then they hired Daryl Morey and the whole thing was rectified in my eyes. But uh, all we had to look at was Miami and be like, that's the team that's going to kill Milwaukee. All I got to do is learn how to switch. Something that you can't just do, though. You can't just figure out how to do that, like, overnight. And Mike Budenholzer, who is impervious to change, I suppose, uh, just failed to get that memo, shockingly, right? A two-time coach of the year failed to get that memo, and they flame out in the bubble. So you think, okay, this year, they're going to they're gonna come back. They're going to retool. You get Drew Holiday. The Bogdanovich thing, that sucks. James, the Milwaukee I finally... Bucks can't retool. No, they can't restore. They can retool. All right. I just wanted there to get you. There you go. Yeah, you just wanted to I was letting you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. off, yeah. I finally texted you. I finally admitted it. I think Bogdanovich would help. <laughs> yeah, I mean, definitely it'd help. Uh, <laughs> do I think that this series would be anything other than 2-0 if they had Bogdanovich? Uh, yes. I don't know. No. The Nets no, have I, won no. pretty decisively in both. Maybe it's closer. Yeah, it's probably closer. I think... And I was kind of kidding when I said this, and then Tory Craig actually was like, no, you were actually serious in game one. I think keeping Tory Craig in your back pocket actually would have been a really strong contingency plan to Dante DiVincenzo getting hurt. But instead, they're just like, sorry, Tory Craig, we signed you for no reason. Budenholzer's not going to play you, and now you could just go to Phoenix. Go to Phoenix. And now I'm just kind of like, what the hell? No, no, no. <laughs> I actually want him back because otherwise I'm subject to these uh, uh, Jeff Teague playoff minutes, these Pat Connaughton playoff minutes. Budenholzer keeps putting them on the floor together, and it's blowing my mind. So this year, we're falling victim to... And look, it's Giannis. He's arguably the best player in the world, depending on who you ask, but he's top three consensus, or wherever you want to put him in the hierarchy. I don't care. Yeah, consensus uh, is high, I think. There has to be some sort of a leash. Like I don't think you're, you should be allowed to get away with these... These th- these pull up threes with seventeen on the clock because Blake Griffin is playing these mind games with you, daring you to shoot them. It's 
it's perplexing, and I also didn't think that Chris Put Middleton was... Put him on the was, block. Put Giannis on the block. They didn't take a shot at the rim in, in game two in the entire first quarter, and they only had, like, three possessions that exceeded three passes. The ball movement's terrible. Everything's bad. If Brooke Lopez is the second best player on my basketball team in a playoff series, and I have Chris Middleton, Andrew Holiday, why are we here? Why do you have Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday? Yeah, what's the point? And now I'm going to game four on Sunday. You are Milwaukee. going? It's official? It is official. I will be in attendance for at Pfizer Forum. The first time I will ever be going to Pfizer Forum. First time I'll ever be in Milwaukee. It's a nice arena. I'm really excited to go. Yeah, and it's a nice arena. They got good food, I think, if I recall. I'll be taking the train uh, from Chicago to Milwaukee, go to the game. As soon as the game ends, get back on a train, come back to Chicago. It's going to be a really busy day. And then uh, the next day, I come home to Michigan for my birthday for a week. So in the span of a week, I'll be on a, uh, an Amtrak train like six times. So Midwest really Nick. looking forward Midwest, to that. Midwesty Nikki. NBA Twitter Force Gump. Like I, it did in my head. So... If I witness a sweep, I will cry real tears wearing my Bucks gear, which I will be wearing. I have to. I can't. I thought about wearing Pistons gear, but I was like, I, you know. That'd be funny if you wore Pistons gear. It would be. Um, maybe I'll wear it underneath so if they lose, I can just take my Bucks thing off and, and reveal that'd be a that good I've vi- actually that'd be, been That'd a- be a good video if they got swept, have whoever you're with record you taking off your Bucks gear and having Pistons gear on. Mm, that would be a kind of funny bit. I think that that would be okay. Uh, James, before we jump over to our guest today, do you have anything in the playoffs that has got you really excited? Because you've actually been watching the games. I know you had like a little bit of a vacation a week or two ago. You were just not watching basketball. That's mm-hmm. not a slight. Like You just you deserve the week off. Yeah. Uh, but you're back. You're full back. You're live tweeting games. Uh, what's been your favorite you know, series, your favorite matchup with everything that's going on? Uh, I mean... This isn't, yeah, like I've enjoyed the Suns very much. Big Devin Booker guy here. So to see him propel on this stage and watching DeAndre Ayton grow before our eyes. And even he was good before the, uh, what was it, steroid suspension uh, last season. Just seeing him grow just because of all the hoopla with him going number one in the Luka trade draft. Like DeAndre's shown he's a good player. Um, It's been fun watching. I mean, obviously Dallas Clippers was fun. Um, it was kind of a uh, man. Philly and Atlanta's been a blast. Yeah, I've had a blast watching that series. That's probably my favorite series right now. Utah brother, Clippers will probably surpass that though. That that's just a loud series. I don't like that Utah. You have a great crowd. Why are you pumping noise? That bothered me a lot. Well, it's because of what that crowd probably says. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing, but you're not wrong. Uh, Philly game one against Atlanta. Atlanta just rolls. Philadelphia game two. my brother uh Matthew texts me and he's like I'm gonna pass this to off Matthew. to you shout out to Matthew what happens if Philly loses who wh- what changes does the can we throw our trade out that you and I talked about for a while D- James and I are big proponents of Dame for Ben Simmons yeah I've seen that it's since got out on Twitter um okay yeah I mean that would be the, the logical trade is Ben you're not gonna trade Tobias and you're not gonna tra- trade Joel mm-hmm. You're gonna, no. It'd be Ben. I don't game. know. Shake Shake Milton's value. You have post game two. If you're getting game hey, two, shake. If you I go back know. to James's 2018 draft coverage, he was all in on Shake Milton. That, that mm. I've gotten a lot wrong, but I was right on Shake. 
We also didn't have a pick that year, so why did you? Care? Yeah, you did. It was no, the we, Bruce. No, it was the Bruce pick. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, we had a second round pick that year. Yeah, okay. I'm sorry. You're right. Well, the the uh, guy you took is balling. Right I was. Now. I'm sorry. No, you're right. I was just thinking because we we didn't have the clip. Like we gave our pick yeah. to the Clippers. So right, you're right. right. We also we traded for uh, Kyrie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So that was the same. Yeah. yeah. Um, and shout then out later Nicol- Spee from that. Shout same out draft. to. Uh, uh, that's true. To Nicole Jokic, I yes. no surprise. I don't. We, that's all I all really want to say. I don't know if Shout people out. know this, but Jokic has Detroit ties. Um, his brother played at U of D. What? Yeah. So I I don't know if Jokic lived here with him, but I'm sure he came over and visited. Yeah, Jokic's brother played at U of D. University of Detroit for those who listen to this. I was going to say, wait, you played at U of D Jesuit? That was, no, I, no, that's no, no, I'm sorry. Was University of Detroit Mercy. Detroit Mercy. Okay. Yeah, his brother wow. did. Uh, hey, I just want to say before we move on, Sean, Sweeney, Sydney, I don't know if you guys are listening to this. I tried. I tried to lobby for your guys' jobs. I don't know what's going on. It's It doesn't Hold on. Why, they could just be adding another assistant coach. It could just be four. Can I do my eulogy? Because we only do these once a week now, so if it happens, uh, then I just want It could be to... a little reckless if you're doing it and it doesn't happen. <laughs> So yeah, I'm right. going to stop right, right, that right. before you go a little too far. I will say this then. I will say this. Let me get something out. If it happens, guys, I really, really tried. And uh, especially after the, the story that James had out, I can't believe I'm pumping your stuff. James put out a Q&A as of today's recording on Wednesday uh, with Isaiah Stewart, which was one of my favorite pieces James ever read. Isaiah Stewart's that dude. Well, well, thank you, and I. If that's one of your favorites, I just literally just wrote down what he said. So it was just it was, no, 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 no. It's it's not that I just mean like it was just really interesting to I me. Know, I in know. Terms thank of, you. Yeah. Uh, he also mentioned in there what twice how much film he watched for Sean Sweeney. You're not going to get that yeah. with anybody else. So no. I just want to. No other coaches watch film. I just want to <laughs> throw that out there. Uh, alrighty, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to well, jump over to our guest. If you don't what, know James? Keith Black, follow him on Twitter. We'll get into that. Um, I was say we'll get there. Yeah, I, I would. I don't remember when I came across him, but he's a guy that one has very smart and good basketball takes. But I think primarily in what we'll talk about is he posts footage, old Pistons games, clips from old Pistons games every day, and we're going to find out how he gets those, um, his history with the Pistons, and what goes into those clips and, and getting them and all that stuff. So um, we'll get his Twitter handle on the second half. I don't. It's Charlotte. TN28, something like that. We're going to um, get there in a second, James. Yeah. We, we'll, we'll get there when we can actually talk to him because Keith isn't here yet, okay? So yeah. we're, here's, a, here's a really smooth transition sound, ladies and gentlemen. Already, ladies and gentlemen, we now welcome on a very special guest. We are joined by Keith Black, a.k.a. Oh, I should be doing it the other way around, actually. It's Keith Trudeau, a.k.a. Keith Black from Pistons Twitter. Keith, you were in the, the Pistons Twitter bracket last year, correct? Uh, yes, I was. I was honestly shocked to be in there because I think at that time I only had maybe, you know, 30 followers. Sure. So I was this, yeah, I was a 16 seed going up against Duncan Smith. Oh, okay. How many yeah. followers yeah. do you have now? Um, not, I, I think only maybe around 1500 or so. That's a come up okay. in a year. That's, yeah. That's a, yeah. That's a, like, I, I'm not terribly familiar with Twitter. I, I only joined Twitter four years ago maybe took started started taking it seriously maybe a year and a half ago so i, I have no idea what the natural progression is here but yeah you're on yeah, a good I, one i would say yeah you yeah. you have found a very interesting i guess 
niche where you have this insane amalgamation of clips like i don't know are you keeping these on like 35 millimeter print like i don't know what it is but for those who don't follow keith on twitter every single day we'll get a sometime it's it's a like on this day in pistons history or just some random game from the 1940s it's in black and white and it's all stitched together and it's this crazy thing but the clips that you will pull uh from some of these moments throughout nba history with players that for the most part people don't actually know that'll happen every once in a while but uh where did this come from? Like what, where is your, your passion for like NBA history? Where did that start? Uh, believe it or not, um, a very, very long time ago, almost uh, around the same time as I realized I had a passion for basketball. I want to say my first uh, experience watching basketball, I, I like to tell people that my first game was the bird steel game. And for all I know, that may as well be true. Uh, but I, I do remember the, the things that I remember were that uh, the green jerseys, that parquet floor, and there was a lot of excitement. So from that point on, I, I was hooked. I wasn't didn't realize I loved basketball at that point, but I, I was a big Pistons fan. So, but I was also very young. So I was I would watch the games, but I was really too young to comprehend what was going on. And I'm the kind of person, uh, as long as I can remember, you drop me into a, a TV show that I like at season three, season four, and I, and I enjoy it. You know, I want everything. I want to see from the beginning. I want to see everything that led up to that point. That's me. And yeah. And from the, uh, from the standpoint of, it's almost, I look at the NBA as kind of like a long running television show. Like I wanted to see everything that led up to the, the Pistons being champions uh, because from the time, the first two or three years for me following the sport, that's all I had known. I, I did not know a world where the Pistons were not NBA champions. So I, I was shocked to learn that this hadn't always been the case, right? <laughs> that, it, that it had, yeah, a very long, like arduous 30 year road to get to that point. And at, the, at that point I was all in, I wanted to know everything. And that it was maybe the early, yeah, I would say early nineties when I really started getting into it. And I, and I, again, I was still really young at that point, but I was, you know, the, the internet, hadn't been uh, around at least it wasn't widely used so you you're really grinding you're you're getting books you're ordering the nba entertainment vhs tapes like i, I wanted to learn stuff but the information wasn't widely available are you from and, are you from michigan oh yeah yeah uh, oh you was, are okay yeah yeah i was i was uh, born in gross point i grew up in clinton township okay um so, yeah, the, believe it or not, the NBA used to put out these uh, big volumes. They were called NBA encyclopedias. And there were these big, they must have been like 500, 600 pages. And they would contain these statistics of every player that ever played. And it sounds like a really neat idea, except for the fact that you consider as soon as the next season starts, half those uh, statistics yeah. are out of date. Yeah. <laughs> They've been broken or yeah. Yeah, and added to. The next year, the NBA would put out a new encyclopedia. Yeah. Who wants to do that every year? It's a great moneymaker. Yeah. How much did those cost? Uh, I don't recall. Okay. I, I, yeah, I, I, again, I was too young. I, I probably didn't buy them myself, but I, yeah. I want to say probably at least 40 or 50 bucks. Oh, if, yeah, it was, yeah. if, if it was that long ago, I was going to say, was that like a nickel and some twine? I don't know how much, I don't have a good barometer for how much that would cost, but gotcha. You were born in what, Nick, 2006? I was, I was born in 92. So yeah, things were still like 40 and 50 bucks. In, I was born in 1998. So things were, you know, uh, yeah, we were, yeah, yeah. But, uh, Go ahead. Yeah. Anyway, uh, 
when we uh, or the point where I started collecting actual footage was when the NBA started, uh, or you you actually had uh, for the very first time you had entire broadcasts being put out. You had the the classic sports network, which ESPN quickly bought out. You had the NBA uh, putting out their early selection of uh, DVDs. Uh, like I know that the Pistons famously had one for their 1989 season where they put out like the last two rounds of the playoffs. And from that point, we get to the early 2000s where, you know, my collection is still tiny because there's just not that many games out there. And then you get into the, the rise of, you know, sh- sharing and torrenting. And you had these little communities uh, of people that have this similar interest of collecting old basketball footage. Those start popping up. And there was a couple of really good ones. I know at the beginning there was one where, and in the beginning of any hobby, uh, you know, the, the start of it is the easiest time to get into it because you haven't had speculators uh, come in yet. Money hasn't entered the equation. So it was, it was all, uh, you know, hundreds of people just sharing uh, their old uh, collections. And it was, uh, like, I, I would say maybe 60, 70% of what I have is from that era, like 2003 to say 2008. Like you, you put your games out there in a torrent, someone else would put their games out there and it, it, you'd all have the same stuff, but it was, it was awesome because you get access to these games that you've never seen before. Right. And of course the NBA, once it got too big, the NBA does what they do is it's just, they step in and they shut it down. And then yeah, it becomes a game of hopscotch where, you know, one community pops up in Europe and then if it gets too big, the NBA shuts it down. I know one uh, popped up in Mexico that was pretty good. The NBA shut that down and so on and so on. So today to be able to do that, I know there's still some smaller communities uh, out there for torrenting, but they, they're not nearly as big as they used to be or as robust. Um, I want to say, uh, aside from that, I, everyone assumes I just get stuff off of YouTube. I, I maybe 5% of what I have comes from YouTube because YouTube, don't get me wrong. It's a great resource. Like if you're just getting into the hobby or, or you're interested in learning the history or watching, you know, games of yesteryear, it's a great resource. It's just not a huge quality resource. Like, you know, a lot of the games are incomplete. They're missing important chunks. Yeah. Some are, aren't even in English, et cetera. So uh, yeah, that's why I was so interested in what you were doing because I know that a lot of those, like just looking for whether it's stories or history to do my job, like I would go on YouTube first place. I would like, let's see if they have this game. And there aren't a lot of games. Um, And if, like you said, if there are, they're missing chunks, like maybe some start in the middle of the third quarter or something like that. So that's why I was curious where these came from. Um, So do you have like on your computer? Cause like now that we know they're not like you weren't, sitting around putting a VHS in and recording Pistons games as a kid. Like I'm sure there are some that you yes, were. Yes. Maybe, but, I would say maybe 10%, maybe a little less than 10% of what I have comes from that. But yeah. Okay. Everything doesn't matter um, where it comes from though. To your point, um, pretty much everything that I have gets digitized and put on a hard drive. Okay. Like everything that I, I I'm not big on the, the physical media itself i don't really care i just want the the footage so yeah everything no matter if it comes from vhs tape or dvd or whatever i digitize everything i have it on a hard drive i have maybe eight or nine terabytes worth of just basketball games at this point do you have a what's your favorite pistons game non-championship 
I just really quick before you answer that, I just want to, for people who don't know how to quantify eight to nine terabytes of just basketball games. Like I can't wrap my, <laughs> I can't wrap my head around how much basketball that is. So I said to quantify, I have no idea how I just want to say <laughs> that that is an absurdly impressive amount of basketball, but go ahead. Yeah. And that's all condensed too. I, I sure originally I'll, I'll get them on DVD files, but I'll condense them into something smaller and more manageable. So yeah. it, it's probably actually more than it sounds. Uh, my, my favorite, uh, Piston games, you're talking non-championship, uh, like non-finals or non-championship year. Non-finals. Like you can't say the night, the game, uh, five against the Lakers in 2004. And like not the Isaiah ankle game or anything. Yeah. I I have, I have several that I can think of. Uh, the, the first one being there's a 1990 game where the Houston Rockets came to town. And uh, Hakeem Olajuwon, who was really unguardable at that point in his career, yeah, he was just going off. Like, the, the Pistons had no big men that could stop him. So at a certain point, it was, I think, a double figures uh, margin with about four or five minutes left. And Chuck Daly just throws up his hands and says, screw it. Uh, I'm going to go full court press. I'm going to put Dennis Rodman as the anchor, you know, guarding Hakeem Olajuwon. I'm going to press. I'm going to make them uh, – I'm going to take their offense, make them run their offense 30 feet behind the – behind the basket mm-hmm. and it, it worked and it's just one of those great moments where you have uh rodman who's given up maybe half a foot and like 50 pounds to elijah Wan. but the right but the, the defense is so is so good they can't get the ball to him in the post they, they <laughs> they're, they're, yeah their offense is coming out elijah Wan is having to get the ball like 20 feet from the basket yeah and it's i i've I posted um a clip of this yeah it, it's it's part of my twitter uh and the, the the Pistons make this miraculous comeback, and they and they win in overtime. Uh, famously, at the at the end of the fourth quarter, it's tied, and they're trying like hell to get the ball to Elijah on because all he has to do at that point is get the ball, you know, in front of the basket, and he he can just shoot the ball right over the top of Rodman, and they can't do it. And they they get to the ball, they get the ball to him with the maybe like a second or two to go, and Rodman blocks the shot. Like we're like Rodman comes out of nowhere and blocks him at the buzzer and they yeah. go on and win the game from there. But yeah, that's, and it, it, another one that sticks out in my mind, uh, that's this, this game's all over YouTube. It's the 84 Knicks Pistons game five, the one yeah. in Joe Lewis. Well, they had a few in Joe Lewis arena that day, but this is the one that everyone remembers. Yeah. Um, and the thing is you all would know this game being broadcast by Marv Albert. Cause that's the version that's out there. Uh, I have a special place in my heart for the one, uh, the, the local uh, version with uh, George Blaha and Dave Bing. Wow. Cause you're not just getting, you're not just getting prime Isaiah Thomas and prime Bernard King with it. You're getting prime George Blaha. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. It, super excitable. Screw the refs. Uh, George Blaha. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, and it's just this this seminal moment because when you, when you understand like this is the first time really in in you know the history of the Pistons in Detroit that the entire city's been behind this team and they're they're playing this unfamiliar Joe Lewis Arena with not even any logos on the court but it, it, it's just this this great uh, moment where even though they lost the game because Bernard King was amazing. Uh, you, you could tell by watching the game, like it just better things were ahead. And it, it was, uh, there's no way the Pistons should have lost that game just because if you, if you watch the game, it's clear the Pistons had so much more talent than the next day. It's so many more weapons, just that 
the difference in the game was the Knicks had Bernard King and the Pistons yeah. didn't. Out to Bernard King or not, if you're a Pistons fan listening to this podcast. Sorry, go ahead. No, I I was just going to ask you, would you call yourself a Pistons historian? Uh, Absolutely. To be honest with you, I would actually – I'd change that a little bit. I'd call myself a uh, NBA historian. Okay. I I, Yeah, the the, the Pistons were obviously, you know, my intro to the game. They were my my first love. They were – they're still my team today. I, I still enjoy watching Pistons games to this day. Uh, but in general, I, I think I realized once uh, the bad boys kind of teetered off and the, the very first time they missed the playoffs since I had been following them, I think at 93, I realized uh, I, I really liked the game in general because I was still really interested in the playoffs. Like yeah. I, I I I really wanted to know what was going on. I really wanted to follow everything. So it, well, everybody knows me for uh, all of my Pistons content. Uh, I like to collect for, you know, the NBA in general. I mean, there's maybe a dozen different non-Pistons teams that I, I absolutely love uh, to collect for. Any any Anytime a game, I see a game available for, like, say, the, uh, the 89 Cavs or the mid-90s Sonics or the 93 Hornets, uh, my, my personal favorite uh, – is the nine, 1994 Atlanta Hawks. The okay. Pre-Dominique. Pre, yeah, pre-Dominique. I, I, will, I will go to my grave defending that that team had a very good chance to win a championship had they not traded Dominique Wilkins because they were that good. Yeah. And that's the, yeah. the first and only time in my life that I ever rooted for the Atlanta Hawks because this is wrong that year. Yeah, but I know it was this, this perfect storm where you had Lenny Wilkins come in and you had uh, this wonderful group of uh, – athletes you had Mookie Blaylock Stacey Ogman uh you had Kevin Willis and they came out of nowhere and they were just blowing teams out left and right like the, if you name a good team from 1994 the chances are they beat them by at least 20 points that was and a really then, yeah no that was a good team people make fun of Svima Kyloop's reach Kevin Willis has had the had the ultimate dinosaur yeah. arms for you T-Rex, you yeah. Michigan State fans that remember him yeah and um and then they made what I still believe is the worst uh, trade deadline deal in NBA history where they traded. Cause I think this deal hurt both teams. I mean, it hurt Atlanta worse, but they traded Wilkins for Danny Manning for reasons. I still, I can only guess, but I still can't comprehend to this day. And it, yeah. And from that point on you, you, they lost their like Dominic Wilkins. This was the last great year of his career. Like, you know, he would have been, for the first time in his life playing for a championship favorite, you know, he would have left it all out on the floor in the playoffs yeah. and they, yeah. they, they switched him out for Danny Manning, who just frankly didn't care. It was just a stopover for him. No, and certainly. They, 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 yeah. And they, they still had the number one seed that year, but they, they, they really nearly lost in the first round to an eight seed and, and your boy, uh, Steve Smith. Yes. Shout out yeah. to Smitty. I, uh, um, do you have a question, Nick? Go ahead. Yeah. So, I've, I'm a big fan of George Yardley historically. I think you and I have had a conversation or two about him. So I'm going to put your historian uh, brain to the test. Will you explain who George Yardley is for those George... that are over the age of 68 or for those that are under the age of 68? George Yardley was, how do I? So Joe folks, let me, let me throw on another name. So jumping Joe in the 40s okay so jesus christ (laughs) i have to go back further uh 
I don't know, George Yardley at the time, I think he was, I think he was like the highest scoring. He was okay. Here's how I can, here's how I can articulate this. George Yardley into the fifties was the greatest piston who ever lived. And I believe he was a member of the Zollner Pistons. If I'm not mistaken, he was okay. He was also on the team and this will sort of say who he is and maybe historically his importance to Detroit. I believe he was on the team that was not caught, but accused of point shaving in, I think, the 54 finals against the Syracuse Nationals. Okay, so he was a guard for the Pistons, and I think it was... Fort Wayne Pistons. I'm sorry, yeah. Yep. So, 55. I was right. See? All right, so you do know what I'm talking about. Uh, I don't even think it was him. I don't think it was Yardley that was doing it. I'm pretty sure he accused one of his teammates of doing it. You're shaking your head. Yes. All right, talk to us about that. Uh, yeah, the, the NBA or basketball in general, in case anyone uh, doesn't know, was rife with gambling scandals in the early 50s. Uh, it was more famous in college basketball. But yeah, it, it, it seeped its way into the NBA because that's generally what happens. That's it, You can look at baseball in the early 20s. You get athletes that aren't paid, you know, mega bucks like they are today. A lot of them, you know, working summer jobs, it's a living playing professional sports, but it's not, you know, you're not set for life. So it, what happens is they're susceptible to, you know, gambling. They're susceptible to people paying them to take dives or in this case, shaving points or to lose games. And there, look, there, there's no, there's no absolute proof that the game seven of the 55 finals was thrown, but George Arley definitely went to his great believing that. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, he. I, I think that colored his uh, opinion of the league in general up to the point where he retired because I, I, I don't think I, I think he might have he may have played a little bit longer. I could, even when he was uh, a piston that one year that he was a piston and he was the by the way he was the first man ever to score two thousand points, which okay, yeah. I, I believe the game, the season was only like seventy. 72 games back then so that was you know you're averaging 25 26 a game but uh i was gonna say he was like considered the first star in franchise history right for for the pistons absolutely. for the pistons yeah that's all yeah yeah, yeah. yeah he was the franchise uh, and the the other odd fact though which I, I find more amusing is he's the only player in recorded nba history to score 2,000 points in the season and have fewer than 100 assists <laughs> world be yeah. free senior yeah yeah so um well well there's a reason for that uh the the pistons did not sell well in their first season in detroit they weren't very good uh there wasn't much of an appetite locally for basketball because you still you had the red wings you had the lions who were believe it or not very good at one point uh <laughs> So to try to get some local attention, they, they, they saw that Yardley had was within reach of being the first guy to score 2000. So they basically just told him, shoot the ball every time you touch it, yeah. just, just go for it. And they didn't keep attempts, uh, statistics of attempts back then, but you can see just his point totals just skyrocket, yeah. uh, like the last couple, couple of, uh, months of the season. But you know, the, the other Part to that is, you know, you're not passing the ball ever. <laughs> and, yeah, it, it came to a point where I think the last game, uh, famously, I forget who they played, but the, the other team was throwing, like, two and three defenders at him. Like, he had to cherry pick, like, I think to get his 2,000th point. Like, he was right there, like, on the button. But, yeah, that that was 
And that was really the peak of Yardley's time in Detroit because, like, you know, pretty much every other uh, superstar they had before Isaiah, he, he became disgruntled, uh, didn't like the way the franchise was run. And, you know, within a year, they traded him. Yeah. For, for, uh, for a guy named uh, Mysterious Player X. And say more. Yeah. So the, I, I here, here's the thing. Uh, Player X was a guy, wound up being a guy named uh, Ed Conlon. But I, I think the Pistons were just so embarrassed by the the lack of value they got for George Arley that they put it out there that we're trading for player X. And then a few weeks later, they announced it was Ed Conlon, just hoping that the news cycle would shift to oh, something okay, else. Yeah. Really wow. Interesting. Yeah. I, that, that, look, that, that's just my opinion, but I don't see how it – because Ed, Ed, Con, Ed Conlon was just a career journeyman guy. I, yeah. they, it wasn't like they, they got something special for him. But, the, yeah, that, that, that's just basically how the – Pistons were from the very first season in Detroit to like the the bad boy years, just thirty years of uh, comical mistakes and bad team management. This was a. Uh, I was didn't a- expect this conversation to go here, and I'm so glad it did. I didn't know what to expect because Keith is a very first kind of mysterious figure on Twitter. Like he he does what he does. Yeah, but there's still some mystique there, uh, and I'm totally happy. This is where it went. This is this has turned out great. I'm sorry, Nick. Go ahead. I have a. Uh this is just a little bit of a statement, but this was around the same time, I believe in the fifties when, cause you mentioned earlier that players had side jobs. Like when I mentioned yeah. Joe folks earlier, like as soon as he retired, he just became like a prison security guard. Like that's what he did. Cause it's not like you hardly did porn. <laughs> what? No, I, I made, I made that. Okay. Do not source that Legion of boots. <laughs> It's a joke. I'm joking. Uh, no, but it was during the 50s that when they were in Fort Wayne, all the guys, if you signed a contract to play with Detroit, Detroit, to play with the Pistons, uh, you got a job on an assembly line. I'm pretty sure that was like part of the contract. I I, I can't speak to that. I, I think I've heard something uh, to that. I don't recall that for a fact, though. Gotcha. But I'd like to believe that because that sounds like that's something that would be true. Sure. I uh, Pretty great incentive. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. It's yeah, like especially at that, that time. Yeah, absolutely. Like what team could offer more? Like, here's your signing bonus of six nickels, or you can work <laughs> at the assembly line in Detroit in the 50s. Like, <laughs> get some sign benefits. Me up. Yeah, yeah sure. exactly. Um, so, all of this stuff, everything that we're talking about right now, Keith, has sort of culminated to something that has actually become my favorite thing that has ever happened to anybody in Pistons Twitter ever. Okay, you and Isaiah Thomas are our are, are best friends now. What's going on? What's happening? Isaiah Thomas quote tweets you every single day. And he's like, yes, Keith, hashtag let it be known. Like, what's going on? How did this start? Have you guys had a personal conversation? I, I would like to say that we had, but we haven't. Uh, I, Isaiah, obviously, look, I don't need to tell you Isaiah Thomas was like the first, you know, like sports hero I had growing up because, he, you know, he was the, the leader of the bad boys. And I, I did get a chance to go one of his basketball camps. Uh, I think at Country Day, I think it was. Uh, I think the last year or two of his career. So, you know, for for Isaiah, like I, I thought this Twitter thing, I'd be have to be like ramping up to get uh, to get some attention. Like I'd have to start maybe like with Fennis Dembo or, or maybe John <laughs> Sally could could uh, give me a shout out. But for for Isaiah Thomas. And the more I think about it, the more it makes sense, because I, I think if anybody uh, has been injured by the, like uh, 
the documentary that Netflix put out, The Last Dance. If anyone's been been injured by the perception of the bad boy Pistons over the last you know thirty years and and how that narrative has gone, it's been Isaiah. So sure. I, it didn't occur to me, but yeah, I, I think Isaiah is. Look, I, it's not for me to make him. Uh, to, it's not for me to say that I, I'm making Isaiah's day by doing this. Isaiah's a you know worldwide renowned, uh, renowned philanthropist. He's got, you know, this champagne brand. His life is pretty good, but. He certainly you know, loves when Keith Black tweets out an Isaiah Thomas or yeah. Bad Boys clip, yeah, without I mean, question. I remember, yeah, I remember the very first time, I think it was early December. I want to say it was December 21st, where I put out, it was the 91, uh, it, it was during the 90-91 season that, that, that year where the Bulls finally broke through. But this was like the very last game where the Pistons kind of rubbed their face in the mud. Uh, I, I want to say it was December 21st in 1990, and it, it was just a, a beatdown. Uh, they, they just throttled the Bulls, and it looked like, you know, the same, it, the same old, same old from the past three years. And I, I looked down, because my videos, I'm used to, at that point, I'm used to getting, like, 500, 600. I think maybe, like, one of my first, like, 30 videos had maybe 1,000 views, and that's fine. You know, you, you, you if you're going on Twitter, you're doing it for the passion. You're not doing it for views because you're not getting paid anyway. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, I, I see that Isaiah's retweeted me, like Isaiah Thomas. I'm like, <laughs> oh, that's that's interesting. Like an Isaiah Thomas fan account. No, and I like look into it. Like, no, my God, that's actually Isaiah Thomas. <laughs> and, yeah. Oh, yeah. You could have knocked me over. And that was just like, wow. Um, where do I go from here? Right. Right. So about a month later, he. Like it was inconsistent. Uh, he didn't. It's not like he from that point on he started retweeting everything I did. But I think about less than a month later he started following me. And from that point on he was retweeting like all my my bad boys content. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I, I don't want to say like I've had a conversation with him though that that would be nice. But yeah, we had like little back and forth on Twitter, like uh, just like little stuff like that. Which there's know, a spirit. You, there's a spiritual connection between you two. In a, in a way in a way there yeah. is simply because no, you can no, admit you, it it's okay. it's you guys love the same thing one was sitting in the stands watching it and one was on the floor playing it but you guys at your core love the exact same thing yeah it, it's just really high even even now i mean he's retweeted me a million times it feels like and every even day now it's, yeah it's every, every day. day and it's still not really sinking in that like Isaiah Thomas knows who I am. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, even though, even if it's just through a Twitter account, I, I just think that's just the neatest thing ever. And oh, it's, it's without question, it's the only effort I put into this uh, worth it, well, wherever it goes from here. Uh, it, it was, I definitely don't regret uh, doing this to begin with that. that it, it's been awesome. Uh, Jerry Stackhouse. I, I want to give him a shout out. Uh, any, any, which I, I think in his case, it's probably a social media manager, but yeah, he, he'll retweet anything that I have that he's involved with. Uh, Grant Hill, uh, once has dropped by and commented on my stuff. That's cool. So yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's really neat. Uh, all these guys that I grew up watching are appreciating what I do so that it, it makes me feel good about it. I think your space in the, I guess we call it Pistons Twitter. That's what that's what the kids call it. It's just is important it is. is important because 
obviously I I'm in Pistons Twitter simply just my job. Like I that's that's what has to happen. Um, and so I see a bunch of stuff, and you see primarily a lot of young. I mean, right now it's a lot of young followers that follow the team. And um, Nick, like we've talked about on this podcast, your fandom kind of started around Chauncey. I would yeah. say Chauncey's departure was like when it really like started to affect you. That's when I was old enough to understand what was going right. on. Yeah. And I would say that's pretty consistent across the line for most of Pistons Twitter. Yeah. Um, and I think Keith's space is important because a lot of people in Nick's age bracket um, and even those a little bit older, like I was born in 92. So like, I remember like how my dad felt when the, they won in 04. Like I was 12, but like, I remember it. I have very vague memories of the teal era, which we're going to get to in a second. I want to ask you a question about that. Um, but no, Keith's space is important because I don't, people know, like they know the team won, they know the name bad boys, but like, I think Keith brings up like every day, something like a history lesson. And it's really cool. Nobody had really carved out that space for themselves. And I say it all the time as I talk about this rebuild, like they're trying to restore a franchise that's go look at the, the, the facts. It's a top seven franchise in NBA history. Like you can choose to only remember what's happened the last 15 years, but over the last 30, not many teams in this league have stacked up. Um, So Keith, I think your space and what you've done is, is really cool and something that needed to be occupied. And it makes sense. I think it really like relives for those guys that retweet you like Isaiah, like I was saying, he loves that time in his life and you bring that back and show it was more than what the propaganda quote unquote shows Um, Grant Hill. I know he's had, he had a unique situation here, but I mean, this is where he started his career. Like he's around in Detroit. I've met him in Detroit Um, and yeah, I mean, stack too. So I think what you do is really cool. Um, and it's, it's needed. I, I definitely, please don't stop. Well, I, I'm, I'm going to run out of, look, I'm going to run out of old, uh, Pistons footage eventually. I'm going <laughs> to step in. On this day in 2016, Austin day. Yeah. You're, you're <laughs> those ones out. But it is actually laughable. If like everything I have is neatly cataloged and it's actually kind of laughable. You go through my folders, 93, you know, there's a hundred games, 94, hundred. I have I have every, I want to say I have about 98, 99% of all playoff games between like 1990 and 2002. And you uh, see, you think you've without question watched them all? Um, I wouldn't say without the playoff games. Yes. But yeah. I wouldn't say without question. Yeah. Um, like, is there, there are some games where I thought, okay, well, that's neat. Like I told you before, there are teams I love to collect for, but that doesn't mean I have the time in my day to sit down and watch the entire thing. Right. Like I'll get around to it eventually, but I, I, I don't feel comfortable saying I've watched everything on my collection because I know I have. It. You just want to have but, it for when that yeah. time comes. Yeah. yeah. But but to my point, um, like, yeah, there's just this huge collection. You go any year from the nine, uh, late 80s to late 90s and even the early 2000s, there's just, you know, an endless list of games. And once you get past 2008, I have maybe, maybe 10 Pistons games uh, saved <laughs> since 2010. <laughs> maybe and it, it, trying to think could know, i even I, guess what like they might be uh Wait, if i name, if i if i guess three okay. do you know them like off, like if i do you know like the majority I, I, I of them pro- i probably can think of seven or eight because some of them are clustered together but go on blake against philly 
Blake's fifty ball in Philly. That that would yes, that would be everybody's first guess. And yes, yeah. that's on okay. That, yeah, that, not that a hot take. Second most recent one. Okay. Um. Game one against the Cavs in twenty sixteen. I, I have that series. Yes, the whole series. That's not another hot take. Yeah, but it's yeah. a Pistons playoff game. I whether or not I enjoy the team or I, I even like that that era i i will yes i look uh caveat i make sure to rec- to have every east every conference final game every final game and every pistons playoff game they, they, that that's a non-negotiable even if i don't particularly uh have an interest i i keep it for just for posterity what about uh that's gonna pay off down the road that's phenomenal we gotta go deep in our back here james what about rodney stuckey's 40 bomb against chicago what about that Against Derrick Rose, yeah, where he lit up uh, rookie Derrick Rose. Yeah, is that on there? Uh, yes, it is. <laughs> there we go. There we go. I That's remember a better guess than mine. Well, I, I don't. Uh, yeah, have very many fond memories of Rodney Stuckey, but that would that that might be the best game of his career right there. I can't. After this pod, I'm when I see that on this day and. In 2014, Rodney, like I see that on Keith's Twitter, I'm gonna think back to this pod. It's gonna be phenomenal. I have one question, Nick. Do you have one more too? I'd say we we wrap up here soon. I can do one more. I got one more. I want to add one thing real quick. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, there, there is one one uh, small point in the last 10 years that was big for me uh, from an entertainment perspective, and I, I think you guys know where I'm getting with this. Uh, after the Pistons released Josh Smith. And, and Brandon Jennings channeled Isaiah Thomas for like two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I have, I, I think I have all but one game from that stretch where they ripped off like seven in a row. I think really? I have six. Of, yeah. They, those are still fun to this day because yeah. that was just, yeah. I'm sorry. He was on a, go. yeah, no, he was on another level. Then yeah. they end up where well, they were five and 23 when they cut Josh and yes. ended up getting to 500. No, they, they, they came close. Like they were threatening. But yeah, I don't they got think... they flirted with it for a second. Yeah, before yeah, before the Achilles happened, and then things turned uh, back into a pumpkin again. <laughs> so I mentioned earlier the teal era. So it sounds like to me, early '90s, mid '90s, you were still fairly you were fairly young. Yes. Um, what is your remembrance? First of all, you know, as being on Pistons Twitter, the teal jerseys are a very hot topic. I personally am a fan. Nick is not a fan. No. Um, I love all the jerseys from that. The, those Atlanta Hawks, the Atlanta Hawks, the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, you talk like we go. Everybody loves the 90s era's jerseys. What was your can you remember what you thought at the time when the Pistons switched to the teal? OK, so I was yeah in my early teens at that point. Uh, I was like the prime demographic for the, the, the teal change because every it, to flash back to the mid '90s, everybody wanted to do teal because the, mm-hmm. the Charlotte Hornets were the first to do it, and their ma- merchandise everywhere in the country just flew off the shelves. Yeah. Carolina so that, Panthers, Spurs uh, did it a little ja- bit. The, the Jacksonville Jaguars. When I did the story on the teal, that was what uh, I forgot who told me that, but he's like, it. They said it blew off for the Jacksonville Jaguars. The the Mariners, um, teal was like the hot color at the time. So. The, the Pistons did it. It was kind of a uh, out of nowhere, like surprise, at least to me. You know, they they debuted the uh, these new teal jerseys with Grant Hill and famously Allen Houston, who never actually put one on in a game yep. because within two weeks he was out of there. Yep. 
but uh yeah it was look the newness of it you know that hooked every kid it hooked me i was one of the i, I think i'm pretty sure i was the first person in my school with a grant hill teal jersey and and everyone's like wow look at this i'm like oh look at what i got on sway and yeah in the, the the newness of it like it hooked me and but within a year i'd say by the end of the by the end of that 96 97 season you know you're you're going to the palace you're looking at these old uh you know posters of isaiah thomas and joe dumars and they're holding the trophy and those classic and you're like oh man that that's a classic uniform look at what they got on and i'm you know wearing a clown outfit what is this <laughs> like, like if the team like, was winning I think that's well, what it comes down they to. They won like 50 games. Where yeah, they yes. did win 50. That's true. They did. You're right. They won 54 games uh, out right. of nowhere. Yeah. But um, I, I think it was just an epiphany that everybody in all of Detroit had because for that first year, everyone was wearing teal. And almost immediately after that, it was almost a collective. Um, no, th- th- this was fun for a year, but we need to go back to the old uniforms. This is and I have nothing against the color teal. I, I don't want to be old man yelling at cloud here, but um, uh, teal is not a Detroit color. It's just not. I'm sorry. I, I, I don't mind if they do like a, I understand they're, they're going to eventually. They're going to have like a teal night where they do a throwback. Yeah. And that's fine. As they but should. I, yeah, of course. They, they, they did the dishwater uh, white <laughs> lightning uniforms and those were awful. So yeah. I, but <laughs> those are gross. Nothing's yeah, worse than the fire. Chrome. Though. Nothing's worse than the chrome. Yeah, I agree yeah, with that. I agree with that. Agree that. Disgusting. Just, yeah. I uh I, I've been I've been chewing on this for about a week. And Keith, I think you might be the perfect person to ask because I was gonna make a video about it and I had too much to say, so I decided not to. I was gonna talk about it on the podcast last week, and I was like, I have too much to say, so I didn't do it. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna defer to you. I think historically speaking, you are someone who is equipped to deal with a question like this, a question that I haven't been able to really form yet. It's more of just an idea. So bear with me, but you'll see where I'm going with this. We historically as basketball fans lie to ourselves all the time and pretend that certain franchises have cultures, uh, Miami, when they actually don't. But when you look at a team like Detroit, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Are you saying Miami doesn't Miami does, cough? Miami does not have culture. Heat culture doesn't exist. There's no such thing as heat culture. This is exactly what I'm talking about. We're not why are you saying it. this? Because why, why is your reasoning? This is not the question. This is not the question. Okay. Yeah. This is, we'll do this next week, James. I, I had something to say about that too, but go on. So you look at a team like Detroit. Okay. Historically, when they've been great, they generally play the same brand of basketball. And it's There's a, a common physical. thread. Yes. Okay. So there is something cohesive about what they do that just historically works. And then you even look at Troy Weaver coming in and he's very clearly trying to replicate the same thing. Now, my question to you is why? And not why is he trying to replicate it because it makes complete sense. But why not try to do anything else that very clearly works in modern basketball why is it that detroit is so obsessed with playing this physical style of play and is it because it's a perfect perfect replication of you know what the city is and what it embodies all right so i mean the easy answer is yes because i think detroit into this day uh if you recall the 04 pistons uh 
I don't recall at any other point in history where, you know, fans are chanting defense three seconds into a game. Or <laughs> facts. Yeah, that, that 04 team was was so special because that was almost like a football team, like the like the 85 <laughs> Bears were. Yeah. No, I'm serious. No, well, you're, you're right. More, oh, yeah. The only time I've ever seen a basketball team where you're more excited when the other team has the ball. Because you, you, you wanted to see just how they would just destroy their, their offense and force a turnover, block a shot, whatever. Like that 1,000%. Was, yeah, yeah, that under 70 streak where – we we didn't care if we scored 75 80 points like everyone was just having a good time and super into the game and it was a packed house to see the pistons win a game uh 79 to 65 because yeah. the, the it wasn't about scoring it was about holding the other team down sure. and i think that was the genesis of i referenced before the, the pistons uh struggled hugely they were essentially the clippers for the first 30 years uh in detroit they just couldn't get out of their own way and even the the very beginning of the isaiah thomas era they had this pretty free-flowing offense Uh, i I like to say that the highest offensive rating the pistons have had to this day is that 1984 team with with isaiah thomas they were the yeah they had the number one offensive team in the league uh by rating that year and it was Isaiah Thomas, I think Dave Bing, Kelly Trapuca, Kent Benson, and, and Bill Lambeer. Like that, that was the offensive <laughs> juggernaut. But in any in any case, uh, what I'm getting at is that the Pistons had a really pretty uh, fast break, free flowing offense. And what hap- what would happen would be uh, they would get eliminated uh, the first time they ran up against a team they couldn't defend. And that that led to Isaiah Thomas and Chuck Daly and Jack McCloskey having like a meeting of the minds and saying, look, this isn't working. We don't have a uh, Larry Bird. We don't have a Magic. We don't have a Dominique that's going to go off for 50 in a playoff game. Uh, we need to, instead of pretending like we have one of those guys, we need to figure out how to stop those guys. Like if we don't, if we can't match them, we need to shut them down. Yeah. And that is was the genesis of the Pistons culture. I think that resonates today where uh, it's not about having that, that elite top five uh, MVP caliber player, because with all respect to Isaiah, the Pistons have never had that. Isaiah was the closest we've came, but he was not magic or bird or, or Michael Jordan. So, and, and to this day, they still haven't had a guy like what Grant Hill, uh, but he wasn't even at Isaiah's level. But the one, one year thing that, of Blake. Yeah. But but the one thing that's been special about the franchise is they've been able to locate these underappreciated defensive monsters like uh, Dennis Rodman or Ben Wallace that have. Yeah, that, that you, you center your team around defense. And I, I think the community not only likes that hardworking aesthetic, but they appreciate that that, that, that makes this franchise unique. Like we're mm-hmm. not known for having the the multiple MVP caliber. Yeah. Uh, player we're known for for beating those guys and, thousand percent and detroit's yeah. unique i yeah, i think it, it, it embraced it like you said not only does the the defense no nonsense style embrace the city but it's a style that was synonymous with detroit and if anybody that tells you anything about detroit that's from detroit it's like it's like nowhere else yeah and I, and I think you're spot on with that yeah and i and i think you you try to play that style. I, I know Memphis has, has kind of taken on that kind of uh, pride with their grit and grind thing in San Antonio to an extent, but their, their identity is essentially whatever Greg Popovich decides to do that season. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, he's right. Yeah. No, you're yeah. right. But when we talk about culture, um, I don't want to take you too much of your time, but when we talk about culture, uh, to the point about the Miami Heat, the Miami Heat. That, that, I, don't think... out, that, 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 I don't know. I don't know if we want to do this because I will be here for another hour if we want to get into this. Uh, all right. I'm not talking about them specifically. I'm just bringing them up as part of a larger point. All right. All right. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, uh, if, you're, if your entire history is centered around one guy, I don't know oh. that you have a culture. Like if, the, if all we know about the Pistons or our only history with the Pistons uh, being successful as the bad boys, I don't know if that's a culture. It's the fact that we had the bad boys, they bottomed out and we brought them back under essentially the same uh, mantra and then we, we were back in the, the finals again with a completely different cast of characters. I, I think that proves to you that the, the Pistons have that defensive culture, that, that that's what works for them in Detroit. With Miami, uh, their culture is Pat Riley. And when Pat Riley leaves, do they still continue that? I don't know. But that, it's, a, it's a fair question because they, they had nothing before him and he's still there. Same thing with Greg Popovich with the Spurs. Uh, Michael Jordan with the Bulls. It's a fa- it's a great example because their entire history is based around him. Yeah, like their history of 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 being a premier franchise in the league. They not they did nothing before him, and they haven't really done anything significant after he. Yeah, I got so killed the, the, on Twitter for that take. I was like, the Bulls aren't a historic franchise. They're not. Well, they have six championships, and it's look. It's fair. They have the greatest player of all time in my estimation uh they're, but Robert- they're historic they've had iconic moments they had the greatest decade of basketball since for, the be, because since the celtics in the in the 60s be, and, and, I, and i agree with keith yeah they because of one player yeah the yeah. pistons were good the pistons have three titles albeit 89 90 in three different decades yeah that's a sign of a good franchise yeah uh we can there's a few other organizations like that I get like, yes, the Bulls have six titles, but I think it should be debated if the Bulls are a historic franchise. Personally, I, I, I think socially and um, culturally, yes, sure. Be, that Bulls logo, you think Jordan, but you always think Jordan. I don't know. I don't think the Bulls are a historic franchise. I think they had iconic player and iconic moments. That's just me, though. No, I, I I agree with you to a point. I, I try to stay away from tearing the Bulls down too much because that just makes me sound like bitter Pistons fan. <laughs> and I get it. I, I, yeah, I, I have to look at like how would someone else view me saying this, right? Right. But yeah, no, I I agree. It's yeah, they have six championships. They all came with with Michael Jordan leading the way, and to a lesser extent, uh, Scottie Pippen. And yeah, they've had the Derrick Rose years, which went. Uh, they Fine. went to the conference finals one time and got smoked. Yeah, but that that that's not like they brought it back, right? No. So yeah, I no, I agree with you. I I, I just always have to question my own objectivity when I'm oh, talking. and that and that's very good of you. That's 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 as you should. Better person or, than me because I just spew nonsense <laughs> all the time. I don't care how other people look at it. I just so that's know why how we I want to say it. Well, that's, that's why they. That's why the people love you, Nick. Yeah. Uh, Last gonna, question: Who's your favorite current piston? Uh, but now this may be the toughest one you've asked me today. Um, look, I I, look, the obvious answer is Isaiah Stewart because he's the guy that on the team that's that's really a throwback, yeah. And yeah, he he can shoot threes, but so could Bill Lambier, so there's that. 
Um, yeah, I, I would say Isaiah Stewart because I think he's the guy that's exceeded everybody's expectations of what they had for him at the beginning of the season. He, he's the, the guy that was the traditional center, which is supposed to be going extinct, uh, even though we just had an MVP center. But uh, yeah, <laughs> and then yeah. the runner up was the the runner up was a center. <laughs> oh yeah, and if you if you see my my shirt, by the way. Oh, oh, the beef stew he's shirt. Got the yes. beef stew shirt. Today's beef stew day. Yeah. Yeah. So if I answered anyone else but Isaiah Stewart, I think I'd be uh, disingenuous. <laughs> so I, uh, we're going to wrap up with this. This was great. Breaking news from Woj. It's not that serious. Everybody can relax. Yeah. Dude, uh, what the, don't get me. Come on. Look at the state of you telling me not to get you all excited. Like you don't, <laughs> I'm not going to say what James did to me yesterday. Uh, Brad Stevens has been given permission to speak with head coaching candidates and the ones, the Pistons that are included are Chauncey Billups and Darvin Ham, Darvin Ham or Chauncey in, in Boston. So that's the thing that, that we could see pretty soon. Alrighty, Keith. Uh, thank you very much for doing this. I hope that people finally got a chance to get inside the, the mind of Keith, the way that maybe they always did and, and sort of get some, some background on what it is that you do. And uh, mysterious who, Twitter user. Yeah. X. You, what Actually, you gotta do is you got to put your face on there now. So Isaiah actually knows what you look like. So when you bump into him in person, you'll actually know that it's you. Cause otherwise, you know, you know what I mean? You ever think about this? I, well, I did put my, my picture out there the, the first time I put on the, the Isaiah Stewart shirt, but yeah, you're right. It's probably about time for that. It's time. If we're, if you, we're go ahead. Go ahead Nick. No, go ahead. I was just going to ask him, make sure to sh- uh, shout out your Twitter. Yes. Do that. Keith yes, before uh, my name is uh, Keith Black Trudeau. I, I had just changed it this morning. I may as well go by my real name. Uh, my name is Keith uh, Black Trudeau at uh, Charlatan, uh, C-H-A-R-L-O-T-T-E-A-A-N uh, 28. And I post, as we've already said, I, I post historic videos, usually Pistons related. Anything that happened on, if there's a chance that something happened uh, historically on this day, you know, 30 years ago, I'll probably post a video about it. Uh, I also do a... Uh, couple of locker room sessions uh with duncan smith uh monday and uh thursday monday and thursday at 2 p.m uh 3 p.m we switch over uh to my segment which is where i try to tell a little story about nba history through trivia Hmm. okay go follow keith one very unique on pistons twitter one of my favorite follows um aside from the clips he posts which are just interesting to go back in time like whenever we just have regular interaction during a game or any news it's always he never says anything dumb he always says something smart one of the smartest fans that i encounter um and i hope you had fun um thank you so much for doing this and yeah man let's maybe we'll bring you back for uh later on this summer and we'll we'll do a a pistons quiz looking forward to it that sounds awesome that'd be fun Alrighty, ladies and gentlemen, we will catch you guys in the next one. Peace.